Welcome back. You're listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Media Talk 101 is a nonprofit ministry dedicating to teaching media discernment in the light of following Christ. You can visit our website, mediatalk101.org, and you can also visit our website, christianworldviewfilmfestival.com, happening this week, uh, our inaugural event, and you can also visit captivatedthemovie.com. I'm your host, the founder and director of Media Talk 101, Philip Telfer, and I'm back in the studio with my friend and co-host, Rhett Simpkins, and Rhett, once again, it's always a joy to spend this time with you recording this podcast. Yeah, likewise. I always learn a lot. And I'm looking forward to us recording once again in the same room. Me too. Which which we're not doing this week. And for those who are listening to this podcast, uh, this has been pre-recorded because we have the film festival happening uh, this week that you're hearing this being uh, broadcast. And there was just too much going on. So we, we determined that we would record ahead of time and get some podcasts done so that we can just focus on the film festival. So by the when you're hearing this, we're going to be at Castle Hills First Baptist Church um, running around, hopefully with some some direction. <laughs> and and we're, there's going to be over 80 films playing uh, by, by Thursday of this particular week that you're hearing this. There will already have been over 40 unique workshops on Christian filmmaking from over 30 speakers who have come across the country to participate in this. And so we look forward this ne- the next podcast next week. Stay tuned because Rhett and I will be in the studio together here in New Braunfels, Texas, and we'll do a like a, a post film festival review, and we'll tell you what we learned, what went well. We'll even be honest and tell you if anything didn't go so well. So you'll definitely want to hear about that. People don't want to hear about how you know that's the thing about news today. You know, nobody wants to hear good news. People want to hear the the bad news. And uh, so we'll try to give you some good news. We'll be honest if things didn't go so well. But uh, we're believing and hoping that things will go well. So, Rhett, uh, because we didn't actually wait a week before recording this podcast, we just pushed pause. You know, it's what we did. We hit stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we don't really have any new emails that have come in in the last five minutes, as far as I know. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, between starting the last podcast and this one. So why don't you, uh, but why don't you help us, since it's fresh on your mind, and it's been a week for our other podcast listeners, why don't you remind us what we were just talking about last week? Okay, yeah, uh, you were mentioning, um, you know, about the Christian veneer and continuing on that thought and uh, touching on the subject of the kingdom of God and how we're uh, you know called to preach the kingdom and not necessarily to get caught up in trying to uh, wage this cultural war and change culture uh, without um, the kingdom of God being our focus. And you also talked about creativity and how you know we should be looking for wisdom and understanding in the different crafts that we uh, may have been uh, given as a task to do and uh, look to God to be able to, to do that. 
and not to do it out of our own creativity. That is good. You are a good student, and uh, it's one of the things I've always just loved hanging out with you and spending time with you because you 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 soak things in, and you're that's great. And so this week, we're going to shift gears a little bit because we started out talking about Bezalel and Aholiab in the uh, Old Testament that were called by God to craft, to be part of teaching and also crafting the things needed for the tabernacle. Not only, and it was it was broad because it was not only poles and pegs and curtains, it was uh, works of metal, artistic works of metal, uh, gems. It was, you know, working with fabric. It was working with all sorts of things, and they needed a lot of wisdom and understanding. Now, a, a couple podcasts ago, I did touch on the subject of music and how we were looking at the realm of music as a, a, a something that we can compare because we don't have examples of filmmaking in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But, but we do see uh, music as being something that we can maybe draw some insight from. So I want to go back to that. Because there's there's a lot. And in First Chronicles 23, verse 5, this is a verse I brought up before. So I'm going to just reintroduce it here. Where it talked about the 4,000 people which praise the Lord with musical instruments, which I made, said David, for giving praise. Now, though, I wanted to spend a little more time on this because I didn't get down the, that, the trail of thought that I really hoped to get down. I was all over the map. And... Some attribute that to too much coffee. I was just attributing it to uh, too many thoughts flying around in my head and trying to do too much in a single podcast instead of just pacing it like I'm doing now. So so this is where I want to go with this. We, we talked about, even then I mentioned how David invented instruments. He was the one who established this musical element in the tabernacle worship, which really didn't exist before. There's nothing in the law about music in the tabernacle, aside from a few instructions about trumpet calls, which is interesting. So God didn't have elaborate instructions regarding music, and that seems strange because then David comes along and he's a musician. And so my thought for many years was like, wow, well, David's just, he's an enthusiast. He's a music enthusiast, and because he's king, maybe he just has this jurisdiction. Maybe he can just say, hey, I'm going to add an entire new element to tabernacle worship. And you have to question, was that right? Should he have done that? And in 1 Chronicles 9.33, these singers, which which we also talked about before, they were free from other duties. They were employed in that work day and night. So David's really going over the top here. He is, he's employing people. This is now their job, day and night. So what, as I look at this, I think, well, here it is. It's musical enthusiasm. David is a musical enthusiast. He's going to integrate this into tabernacle worship. And there's, there could be parallels to that today. You know, people who get enthusiastic about something. They're enthusiastic about film. And so, therefore, we're going to introduce this component, this this really what we believe is this incredibly important component of, of filmmaking. So just keep that in the back of your mind as we look at this story of David. Because over the years, as I've been 
reading the Bible, the more you read it, the more you learn, the more it teaches you about even how to understand the Bible. In fact, I, I got a I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Rhett, but this is a really embarrassing story. When I was a new Christian and I started reading the Bible really for the first time with a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and I'm, I'm, I'm digging in for the first time. And I don't know. I mean, do you remember that? Do you recall that time in your life, Rhett? Mm-hmm. I mean, where you just said, man, how could I have missed this all these years? And so that's the way I was, 17 years old. I'm digging in. And I'm reading, I'm devouring the Bible, and I'm writing notes, you know. So I, there's, a, there's a reason. The story is one of the reasons why I stopped writing notes in my Bible. Because as I'm devouring the scriptures, I, I read, I believe it's in the book of Matthew, the parable of the sower. And wow, it is just, it has such an impact on me. I sat there thinking, I read it, and I go, wow, what, what does this mean? This seems so so big, so important. So I just sat there meditating on the parable of the sower and trying to think about what Jesus was saying and what surprised me with how confusing it was. I'm like, wow, it seems like such a simple story. Everybody told me these parables are to make things simple. God, you know, Jesus used stories because it related to people. And I'm reading it. I'm going, I don't know if I understand this. This is very confusing. And so I thought about it, I pondered it, and then I, boy, the light bulb went off. I thought, oh, I think I get it. I think I know what it's saying. And so I began to write my thoughts in the margin of the Bible, you know, kind of verse by verse. I was, oh, it was flowing, man. It was, I mean, I'm just, (laughs) it was flowing. And I was, I was like, wow, I can't wait to share these insights with people. I understand this. So then I continued reading. Well, if you know the story, Jesus tells the parable, and then there's this little intermission. And during this intermission, the disciples come to Jesus and say, why do you speak to the people in parables? They're kind of confusing. People don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm going, wow, I can really relate to this. So I'm just reading it now. I'm like, they're, they're saying exactly what I'm thinking. This is kind of confusing. And Jesus says, well, it's not for them to, to, it's for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. And then it says Jesus explained the parable to him. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, palm to the forehead, Philip. Uh, duh. I mean, it's if I would have kept reading, there's the explanation. I had no idea. I just thought it was moving on to another subject. I had no, I had no clue that there was a, a, a little a little pause and then Jesus explains the parable and guess what when I read the parable I realized all my ideas and thoughts didn't match hmm. <laughs> you know I, I realized oh, oh I'm so dumb I'm like I should have just kept reading because it's right there Jesus explains the parable and his explanation was clear and it didn't match my explanation of it and I began to realize something. We need to be reading the Bible more. And the more we read it, the more it will teach us how to understand the Bible. And as I hear so many Christians making lame arguments about all sorts of subjects, I realize, you know what? They're not reading the Bible. They're not taking it seriously. They are not 
letting it inform their thinking. They are not digging like a miner would, you know, not, you know, like someone, uh, what's the right word? A miner. Prospector. A prospector, thank you, mining for gold. You know, it's not that gold rush fever into the scriptures like what happened in 1849 in California as people went crazy and and sacrificed everything else in their life to go find gold in them their hills and you know Christians need to be that way we need to say hey there is gold there is wisdom and i want to mine it i want to go dig through and 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 find this gold and i don't see that in the church today i don't see that and when i see when i hear people making really lame arguments about issues and for the last four podcasts now, we've been talking about filmmaking. In particular, you know, some of the conversations I have with others about filmmaking, I'm I'm scratching my head thinking, where are they getting their ideas? And I think it's either from Hollywood or from their peers, or but but they're definitely not getting their ideas from the from the scriptures. And so, you know, and the reason I share that story is I made a similar mistake regarding this subject of David and music. You see, for many years, I just made this assumption that because David was enthusiastic about music, that is why he incorporated music into the tabernacle worship. And let me read some scriptures that began to enlighten me. And now this first one would seem to fit with what I was thinking. Second Chronicles 29 verse 25. And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with stringed instruments, and with harps according to the commandment of David. Well, there it is. That's exactly what I thought. This is just David, Mr. King of the nation here, enthusiastic, in charge, sovereign, and saying, hey, I'm just going to command it. This is what I'm going to do. But that's where I made a mistake. I needed to keep reading. We, we can't stop reading the scriptures because it actually doesn't stop there. If you keep reading that verse in Second Chronicles chapter 29, verse 25, it says, According to the commandment of David, of Gad, the king's seer, and of Nathan, the prophet, for thus was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. Hmm. I mean, you see what a difference that is? Mm-hmm. This is not David just enthusiastic about music. Was he enthusiastic about music? Of course he was. He was a musician. But this wasn't just about David's enthusiasm. This is about God speaking to prophets and David obeying God and saying, you know what? God has called me to do this. And so I will do this. But it's by the command of the Lord. It was by the prophets. And so this is, you know, 1 Peter 4, verse 10, which we have, I've read before here on this podcast, but I'll, I'll reiterate it. It says, as each has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone, and who is that? Anyone. <laughs> if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, that just means serve, you know, practical service. Let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, not your own ability, but the ability which God supplies, that in all things, how many things are that? All. (laughs) All. All things. God may be glorified through, through what? It doesn't say your artistry, your, your creativity, 
but that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There it is. I mean, this should inform our thinking about all that we do, that God may be glorified, that he may be. What does that mean to be glorified? What do you think, Rhett? Give me an idea. What does it mean to be glorified? Uh, To be lifted up, to be praised. How about this? You're right, but it doesn't really sit with our culture. For some reason, glorified is one of those church terms, one of those Bible terms. What if I was to say this, that God may be made famous? Does that Mm. click with you? Yeah. That God may be made famous. And that's what we're called to do is to make God famous, that everything that we do and we say brings him fame, that would bring him glory. That's what fame does. It glorifies somebody. And in this case, we're to be glorifying God, not man. And this is what I would call a common fatal flaw today for the artists, you know, whether they're filmmakers, musicians, or any other kind of artistry. Here's the fatal flaw, the desire for fame. And this fatal flaw has been around since the fall in the Garden of Eden. But it's hyper-driven, it's amplified in this digital age. And seeking fame drives our present pop culture. It's an infected many, if not all, uh, in in this realm of, of filmmaking and, and music. Infected. It's like this, this noxious weed that doesn't belong in this garden or in this region. It's, it's foreign. It doesn't belong here and it's causing trouble. It's the seeking of fame. And so when I hear the rhetoric today of people who say, we need to be involved in filmmaking to impact culture, a lot of times I see that all they're trying to do is set up a subculture of the of Christians seeking fame rather than of finding ways to make God famous. And okay, maybe people disagree with me. Maybe that maybe others out there will say that I don't see that. But I'm saying for years I've seen this. I've seen it in music. I see it in movies today. Christians getting involved. It is a fatal flaw. It is the it is the Achilles heel. This is the area that every Christian who wants to go into any kind of creative uh, direction needs to uh, really be careful and guard their heart because this creativity or even this craftsmanship can turn really sour. In Amos chapter 6, verse 5, there's an interesting verse. Amos was a prophet, and it talks about the people, Israel, who were singing idly, and they're, they're actually called on the carpet for this. And I'm going to quote, they invent, you invent instruments for yourselves, instruments like David. So what's happening here? The culture, Israel, down the road, you know, you go down a few generations and they look back, and they say, oh, David invented instru- or instruments. So we can invent instruments too, because David did it. But David invented instruments by the command of God for the glory of God. And these people, it says they were singing idly and inventing for themselves instruments. This was not for praising God. It was not for making him famous. 
And I believe if we're not careful, and if filmmakers are not careful, they will make films that are idle, and they will invent for themselves movies that are not there to glorify God, but they're there to bring themselves fame. This is the story of the Tower of Babel. Hey, we're going to create something. We're going to build something up into the heavens. We're going to make a name for ourselves. And and I, I'll end with this, you know, because... Um, we need to wrap this up, but I, I, and to me, this is probably a, a good place to stop on this pot, this particular podcast this week. And I'm going to bring up another word. Here's another Bible trivia for you, Rhett. And that is, do, does anything come to mind when I say Nehushtan? Oh my goodness. Nehushtan. I don't think so. Okay. Well, you can read the story, Second Kings 18 verses 1 through 4. I'm not going to read it right now. But this is where the word Nehushtan comes from. But I'll give you the story. And it goes all the way back to a time in, in Israel when they were wandering in the wilderness and they began to complain and grumble against God. And because of their, their hearts that were uh, falling away from the Lord, um, God sent in their midst these, what the, these poisonous serpents, known as fiery serpents, and they begin to bite the people, and they begin to die. It was a plague that God sent among the people. Now, you know this part of the story. What was the cure for these people that had been bit by these poisonous snakes? Because Moses interceded for them. Moses said, oh God, don't, don't let the people all die. So, so Moses interceded, and God gave Moses some instructions. And what was that? Uh, to put a serpent on a bronze pole, and then people would look at it and be healed. That's right. Exactly. And this actually comes back into the Gospels. Jesus brings it up as an analogy of himself, as a, as a foreshadow of his ministry. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. But he says, even as the snake was, as that pole was lifted up and people look to that, you know, we look to Christ. But when you go a few generations down, so here's this pole that had been made, this metal pole with this snake on it. And and this was used by God. This was actually commanded by God for Moses to construct this and to use it to do mor- to to create a miraculous preservation of of lives, and as a foreshadow of Jesus Christ and His ministry and being lifted up on a cross uh, for our redemption, for our healing, for our forgiveness. And but that that snake on the pole which is also by the way for for you for our listeners here and maybe you already knew this but that's where when you look at the medical symbol what is it it's a snake on a pole does everybody ever mm-hmm. think like that's weird <laughs> why mm-hmm. would you why would you have a snake on a pole as a medical symbol well it goes back to the bible you know so healing that came through that and so that's just one of the remnants of a of a this this biblical worldview and so we have this this snake on a pole but it sticks around long past its its purpose and and in generations later it's still in Israel it's still in Judah and it becomes an object of idolatry and so when Hezekiah when King Hezekiah came in and there was revival he began to to uh, tear down the high places and one of the things he did was he destroyed this serpent and they called it at that time Nehushtan, which meant a piece of brass. Hmm. It's nothing. It's nothing. You've made it into idolatry. 
It's just a piece of brass. Nehushtan. And you know what? If we're not careful, Christian filmmaking will be nothing more than Nehushtan. Just a piece of brass that turns into more idolatry because people's hearts turn away from glorifying God. And when you turn your eyes off God, the result is idolatry of all sorts of ways. And so that's, I think that's good enough for this week. And we will uh, come back next week to give you a report on how the film festival went. But we do want to thank all of the podcast listeners, especially those who have been sending us words of encouragement. We're very grateful for that. And uh, we, we thank you for your prayers, for all of those who have been praying for us for the film festival, for those who have uh, supported us financially. Uh, this is something that uh, we're, we're just, we want to thank God for. And we are praying that this event will not be Nehushtan, that this will not be something that turns into uh, something that fosters idolatry in the church, but something that will glorify God. You've been listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Visit mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other resources. Click on the audio tab to get a free download of Philip's audiobook, What Wouldn't Jesus Do? Media Choices in the Light of Following Christ. And if you haven't seen our award-winning documentary, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture, be sure to order your copy today. Parents Television Council calls it deft and powerful. And numerous moms, dads, and pastors say it's a must-watch for every Christian family and church. If you have a question or a topic you would like to have discussed on this program, please send an email to podcast at mediatalk101.org.